Coming up on Podcast 1536, General Motors unveils the electric Chevy Blazer at a starting price I think you'll really like. Stick around and I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, pricing for the new MG5 in the UK, Rolls-Royce and Hyundai getting together for a partnership, and why the rapid decline in battery costs is really good news for things like shipping and aerospace. Those stories and a lot more coming up on the podcast today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily. We are your trusted source of EV information. It's Tuesday, 19th of July. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every single EV story I can find on the internet every day. So you don't have to. I'm here to save your time. It's like a 20-minute TLDR of the EV world. And we'll start with news of a company close to my heart. I grew up in Norfolk in East Anglia. I haven't got the Norfolk accent. Or I can still do it if I try. All right, boar. I am from Norfolk, but I don't speak like that, like many of my family still do. No, I don't know why the accent disappeared as I was... I don't know, growing up and going to university and things. Uh, however, a company based in that part of East Anglia, Lotus, I grew up near Hethel, where they're based, announcing they have officially completed a $1.2 billion production facility. Sadly, not in East Anglia, where I'm from, but in China, where several of the company's future electric vehicles will be built. The first to arrive is the Lotus Electra, whose first unit rolled off the assembly line as part of its development towards production, writes Electric. Well, the Electric blog says... This. In early 2021, Geely announced a development plan with Alpine as part of a joint venture with Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi to develop EVs and the platforms they sit on. The Lotus cars will be 800 volts. The platform is the Electric Premium Architecture, EPA platform, uh, led by Lotus. The first Electra has rolled off the assembly line based in Wuhan. And although Lotus hasn't shared the production phase that the BEV's currently in, but officials from the province attended a ceremony alongside uh, company management. I'll pop a link to Electrek in the show notes so you can read more. Now, headline story in General Motors finally getting around yesterday for the big unveiling. I have some friends that were there on uh, social media posting what they saw the event in person, uh, the new Chevrolet Blazer that will compete against cars like the Ford Mustang Mach-E and the Tesla Model Y, but I think as well bring the price down a little bit for what some people uh, might be expecting. It's officially the model year 2024 Blazer EV, expected to arrive in your showrooms at the beginning of next summer, so about a year away. Starting price starts at $45,000. That is perhaps an entry point that will be appreciated because that's a little bit lower than a Tesla or a Mustang Mach-E equivalent, but it will go to $66,000 for the performance version, the SS variant. 557 horsepower, 0 to 60, less than 4 seconds. So you are completely cross-shopping Model Y performance. Uh, Mach-E will do 3.5 seconds as well for its absolute uh, top spec. So GM expecting the range of the vehicle to be up to 320 miles, depending on what version you get. So single motor, dual motor, what size battery, etc. There'll also be a version for the services, for the police force, based on that fire-breathing, fast SS version. Of course, all based on the Ultium platform, uh, which is the name they gave to originally their battery cells, but sort of widened it out to be their next-gen EV platform, the motors, the controls, etc. One oddity heading the Blazer's way is that it's available in front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, and all-wheel drive. The entry-level 1LT is front drive. The 2LT is 
all-wheel drive. The only way to get the rear-drive Chevy Blazer is if you spec the RS model. If you're confused already, yes, sir, am I? Um, which is also available with front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive on the RS and rear-wheel drive. Rounding out the lineup is the all-wheel drive Blazer SS, which I mentioned. That's 557 horsepower, 648 pound-feet of torque. According to Auto Week, they say... Ranges are still being finalised, but the entry-level 1LT will have 250 miles of range. The RS version, in certain configurations, I'm thinking rear-wheel drive, single motor, 320 miles, which is really, I think for most people, very reasonable. It hits the psychological 300 number, um, and it'll have fast charging. So if you have a big enough connection at home, or you can find some public charging, it'll AC charge at 11.5 kilowatts. That's good. DC fast charging, 190 kilowatts. Really, really good. Um, That pretty much future-proofs this car, I would say, for a generation of this car. Uh, Because, again, anything around 200 kilowatts of charging power, you are then relying on finding fast enough infrastructure. And so that's going to do you absolutely fine. I reckon at least for a large part of this decade, that kind of charge speed. Hey, my MG charges on a really good day at 70-something. And I've only hit that once when I'd done a, a couple of charging stops. The battery was toasty warm, and I had like 2 or 3% left. So, uh, and, and, and that car, I don't feel like we're waiting around a long time because by the time you plug in, you go and get a coffee and a snack and you're back. So even a slow-charging EV, and I consider myself owning a slow-charging EV, does me fine. But 190 kilowatts, you're adding almost 80 miles in 10 minutes. Like That's more than fine for many, many, many people. Uh, the navigation system has a 17.7-inch touchscreen. It is huge. And the media system is standard for the Blazer. Um, and it's got an 11-inch digital gauge cluster as well. Uh, they will stagger the launch. So the 2LT and the RS come first next year. The SS follows a little bit later. And the entry-level 1LT comes in 2024. So if you want the absolute bargain basement one, and 45 grand isn't a bargain, I know that, but that you've got to wait a little bit longer. There are some details still to come, uh, but we do know it starts at 45 grand for the 1LT, 47 for the 2LT. RS kicks off at 51,000, SS 66,000, like I mentioned. And underneath, what about the, uh, the, high, the high-powered version for the police forces and the services? The cop car, if you like. The biggest battery in that. Uh, GM isn't saying how big the battery will be, but they're saying the biggest battery. And they will put that version in the pursuit vehicles for the police because uh, the police are probably going to want I'm guessing single motor, I'm guessing for the maximum range, but they might want dual motor if those police forces work in cold climates and where grip is perhaps a consideration. Uh, They've called it the PPV, the Police Patrol Vehicle, and uh, they're talking about the same kind of specs as the consumer cars, but maybe a little bit spicier for the police force as well. It arrives at the beginning of 2024, so about a year and a half away, but after that you may well see a few of these blazers uh, decked out with some blue lights on top and some police liveries. The Blazer EV is one of those electrified vehicles coming in the next few years uh, that GM's talked about. The Silverado EV is going to be another one as well. The light duty pickup, that is expected to be even cheaper and I say cheap, and I know, air quotes I'm doing right now, and not that you can see me, but about thirty nine nine. So let's say it's a $40,000 pickup truck when it comes next year. We are expecting a launch soon of the Equinox, sorry, Equinox, um, which will be 
probably the replacement to the Bolt. They might run them concurrently, but it'll be a 30 grand car. And so we're going to have uh, an unveiling of that before the year is out, probably the autumn, and then it'll be about a year away. So maybe autumn next year in 2023, we get a 30 grand Equinox. GM saying they will bring electric versions of the Corvette out next year as well. So we have more cars on the horizon uh, from General Motors. And to incentivize some of the purchases, here are some of the ideas that they've got. See what you think of these. They said they will offer a payment towards a home charger installation on the Blazer. Uh, they're still offering home installs on the bolts, by the way. They cover $1,000 the install and $250 for permitting. So is that enough of an incentive to get you in the car and get you in, in the vehicles? So what do you make of that? Uh, that is the Blazer. I'd love to know your thoughts. You can email me hello at evnewsdaily.com uh, for that and anything else that you think of with uh, the stories that we do or suggestions for the podcast, but particularly uh, give me your feedback on that new car launch. Love a new car launch on this show and so what will you be cross shopping the blazer with maybe the vw id4 well let's give you some news on that the id4 currently made in germany but in the us of course you've got to import it and it's not going to always be as cheap as a car made on home soil only offered in the states with a big battery pack as well the 82 kilowatt hour battery pack now that is good for the epa range of course, which is almost 300 miles on the ID4. But what about a domestically made version of that by VW of America? Well, that's coming, and hopefully soon. Uh, the smaller battery pack shaves 20 kilowatt hours, so 62 kilowatt hour for the small battery pack. But they want to bring the price uh, around $40,000. So, again, if you can get the federal tax credits in there and maybe some state incentives you get the small battery pack and u.s made version you know you're not far away from thirty thousand dollars which most people do car finance oh well i see uh, well i say most a quick digression i've seen people uh, stories in the u.s press uh, of people financing cars over like five and six years now which is i mean that's a long time but i get i understand people got to get their monthly payments down but still, by the time you work out monthly payments on a 30-plus-ish ID4, then if you need a family wagon and nothing too fancy, monthly payments on that should be pretty good. Here in Europe, by the way, the ID4 has a 55-kilowatt-hour battery. Now, WLTP rated 215, so 215 miles of range. I know lots of people think they need more than that, but really, I'd say, look, the ID4 will charge 120 you know, kilowatts-ish plus by the time they do some software updates on that. How much range do you need versus how much range do you want? Ah, now need and want is a different thing, isn't it? Uh, VW not announcing the exact drivetrain yet for the US-made one. It's coming out of the Chattanooga plant in Tennessee where all future US ID4s will be built. We think production starts, I think, beginning of 2024. Uh, that's two versions being made there initially. I'm sorry, I said 24, 23 numbers in my head. Uh, beginning of next year. So we're a few months away from production starting, we think. Later this year, VW do promise additional details on those two models. We think a revised center console coming as well for the US version. I'm not sure why the US and European versions have different center consoles. I could roll out the cliche of bigger cup holders. <laughs> Maybe that's not a cliche. I don't know. But still... Interesting to see if the ID4 variants, uh, how the, like the price difference is 
cut because they'll be made in the US, not imported from Germany. It's also possible the long-range versions won't change too much in price because VW do want to make a profit on the cars um, and they'll want to get people interested with the short-range price and then maybe bump them up and uh, and sell them a bit up upselling a bit is what I'm trying to say. Well, there we go. Uh, that's my thoughts on the ID4. Uh, we'll see what it's like when that vehicle does finally come out with the US-made version, hopefully in not too many more months, right? Coming up on the podcast very soon. We will talk about Rolls-Royce and Hyundai getting together so that you can go flying with zero emissions and why battery prices going down is good for the aerospace industry and also uh, shipping as well. Stick around those stories and a lot more coming up. Now let's talk about the MG5. UK pricing, I own the MG ZS EV. Uh, My mum and my stepdad just bought the MG5 that was a few months ago now they bought that because they got a stellar deal on it, by the way. That doesn't happen very often, stellar deals on brand new EVs. But it was because they knew that the, the new version of the MG5 was coming within a year. Uh, so their MG dealer was able to get them a car pretty quickly. Um, and they paid a price they were very happy with. Um, and they got some 0% finance on it as well because they thought, well, actually, it's a 0%. So we'll keep the money in our bank account. I think all those deals are gone, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, MG fans. Um, the MG ZS, uh, which I... My, my, my wife's car really uh, for ferrying the, the our little lad around because I don't worry too much if he gets in there from the beach and the sand I hoover it out and keep it nice and clean we do keep our cars nice by the way um, but I don't feel bad if I then if it gets dirty and I have to clean it um, they enjoyed it they enjoyed riding around and it gave them the confidence to go and order a brand new MG5 and they've had it I say since the beginning of the year they really enjoyed that car um, they're both retired and uh, they're having some fun in it. Uh, first electric car for them. They got the Zappy version two on the garage wall. Uh, man, I should be on commission from my energy. Uh, however, uh, they got solar panels as well, so they charge the car on the sunshine. Look, they're both in their seventies, but they're not like old retired. And, uh, and actually, my dad as well. He's got solar panels, uh, and they really enjoy being part of this kind of EV revolution. And so, you know, the new MG is coming, is going to be even better. Starting price, though, is more expensive. And this is the thing, MG, I think MG's always been, I mean, not dirt cheap, but really stellar value. The new MG5 is going to start at 31,000. And now, you know, over 30,000 pounds, that is quite an expensive electric vehicle, but it is updated and it has got a big battery uh, compared to my MG. Lightly updated styling outside. I think it gives it a little bit more of a, perhaps an aggressive look. It makes the MG look less like a 10-year-old Pass- uh, Passat estate. But that's no bad thing. I think the old one looks like a VW in many angles. Um, it'll hit the roads before the end of the year. Uh, new front end, new LED lights, new 10.25-inch widescreen inside. Uh, the key thing is, is I think it comes with a uh, an app now. It's connected uh, with vehicle data and functions through the MG smartphone app. That's a big deal. And it comes with towing of 500 kilograms, and it comes with a vehicle to load, which I think is about 2.3 kilowatts you can pull from it. Um, I need to check the specs on that one from memory because I read that a while ago. That's not in this current uh, uh, update that I've seen today. Uh, but either way, uh, that car comes before the end of the year. If you've got your order in, you'll be very excited. Yes, you can go camping and, I don't know, power the fridge or something at the campsite from vehicle to load. It won't plug into your house. It's not vehicle to home, but like many other cars now, it 
But again, for 30 grand for that facility, I think that's pretty good. Now, let's go to Seattle, where Seattle area lawmakers are approving EV charging requirements for new apartment buildings where new and substantially remodeled apartment buildings in King County have to have at least 10% of their parking spaces capable of charging EVs and 25% have the infrastructure in place to then quickly roll out EV chargers. The new rules approved last week by the the City Council, which covers the region like Seattle and uh, Bellevue area, uh, I think uh, Redmond as well. The new rules applying to... Uh, unincorporated areas of the county. Washington State has a goal of 2030, all light-duty cars and trucks uh, being... uh possible electric. Uh, The state already ranks fourth nationally in EV ownership, running close behind more popular states like Texas, Florida and California. And uh, that is a great bit of legislation coming in to ensure that new builds and big refurbs have the cabling in place, which can be really expensive to do retrofitting, for when EVs are more popular. That's super sensible. Now, let's talk a little bit about the declining cost of batteries. Rapid battery cost declines accelerating the prospects of all-electric container shipping. Past studies on ship electrification have relied on outdated assumptions, says Nature.com today. Those assumptions are on battery cost because people don't look at the current cost of batteries. They show that at battery prices of $100 per kilowatt hour the electrification and that by the way that's not unreasonable so i see even car companies that don't want to go electric are saying oh batteries are too expensive well look even if you work on the average of a hundred dollars per kilowatt hour which lfp sells the blade batteries from byd in china many of those chemistries are down at you know 50 60 dollars ish you know they can and those costs have come down going up a little bit because of metal costs recently but still some of those batteries are well under 100 let's just say 100 and be conservative electrification of trade routes in shipping anything less than 1500 kilometers nature.com says it's now economical with minimal impact to the ship carrying capacity but the environmental benefits of going electric are huge if batteries are at that price point of 100 dollars per kilowatt hour which they are already Anything below 1,500 kilometres is already doable and economical. What about, though, if battery costs come down with new technologies, which is happening? Um, The price point of $50 per kilowatt hour is achievable, and the economic range will nearly double. It describes a pathway for the battery electrification of container ships this decade, where 40% of global container ship traffic could have their CO2 emissions reduced by batteries, which is just brilliant news. Okay, let's move from shipping to aerospace. I don't do a lot of uh, sort of non-road car stuff on this podcast, but I know lots of listeners find it interesting, so a couple of quick mentions. First one's for Rolls-Royce and Hyundai partnering to develop an electric propulsion system for uh, aviation based on fuel cells. This is where hydrogen could be really, really good, by the way, because of the energy density of that stored energy compared to lithium-ion batteries. The collaboration was announced yesterday at the Farnborough Air Show in the UK, combining Rolls-Royce's aviation expertise with hydrogen's fuel cell technology. They want to deliver an air, a demonstration aircraft by 2025, which is, uh, you know, for aviation, a really quick timeline and aerospace could be the next frontier for companies to look to electrify perhaps with fuel cell technology because they can put that infrastructure in at airports at aerodromes you know where it exists already because you know and i know that the hydrogen fans don't understand this but to put 
the equivalent of a petrol station on every corner of every street. It's not going to happen with hydrogen. No one's paying for it. But in aerospace, where the budgets are a bit different, where there's already a distribution network, where tankers turn up with avgas, you know, and if you are filling your plane with aviation gas, there's already a distribution network that's separate for aviation. Why not do that with hydrogen? That industry can use the investment on putting fixed points in. You know, it doesn't have to be in every corner of every street. It can be at the biggest 10 airports in your country. All of a sudden, that investment can be made by private industry. Because otherwise, you know, the public sector won't invest in hydrogen or at the scale that it needs to for the people that think it'll work in road cars. But the private sector will do if there is a benefit to that, to the bottom line. Hyundai earmarking $1.4 billion for flying taxis in South Korea. That's a huge investment. Honda's moving forward with their plans for an EVTOL aircraft. And aerospace is a really interesting place. I found this BBC article, just coincidentally, there's only a couple of days old. Uh, they say, from a small office overlooking an airfield, which was once home to the UK's Spitfire Squadron, a British startup wants to make history of their own. Faradair is planning to develop a hybrid electric passenger airplane at the regional market. 19-seater aeroplane propelled by a fan-driven electric motor and a small gas turbine. Uh, the company's chief exec is uh, Neil uh, Clowley, or Clowley uh, argues that a plane would have far fewer moving parts than a traditional prop aircraft. It's cheaper to run. You know, maintenance on aircraft is on a different level. You know, you do you, you do a thousand miles in a car, you don't think about it. You do a thousand miles or a thousand hours of flying and you might have to then take it somewhere to be maintained. And, you know, and so much of aerospace is still full of uh, you know, terminology like carburettors and magnetos and things like that. Look, just go electric. It's far easier. Oh, by the way, fully charged channel have a brilliant video of the of the Pipistrel electric plane. They got Robert Llewellyn up in it. <laughs> he did not look like he enjoyed it, by the way. It was there was a pretty hairy crosswind that day. Uh, they take off from uh, well, this video there at Popham Airfield uh, in Hampshire. But there's a few of the uh, the Pipistrel, Pipistrel electrics in the UK. They're a uh, little two seater light aircraft. I mean, it not not for those with a uh, <laughs> a tummy that goes upside down easily, uh, which I think I think he braved it out, by the way. But go and watch that. It's really interesting. And, you know, that technology is here already. It's not pie in the sky stuff. Uh, there's a Californian startup called Wright Electric. They want a 100-seat aircraft uh, by the middle of the decade. And Zero Avia, another company securing big funding only in the last few days, another $30 million of funding for their hydrogen electric planes, uh, which they say... Uh, investors like the AIG, that's the International Airlines Group. When that, when those kind of companies are putting serious money in for uh, fuel cell planes by the middle of the decade to go zero emissions, it means that there's a lot of activity in this sector that I think rarely gets talked about compared to you know road cars and stuff, at least on this podcast. The company there is working towards a zero emissions commercial plane operation with a 600 kilowatt powertrain by 2024, 19-seater uh, with a range of 300 miles, uh, followed by the next version, 700 miles uh, a plane. That's a massive endurance for most, most regional aircraft. And to do it with clean, green electricity, can you imagine uh, either uh, supplementing that with, uh, with electric made with renewables? 
uh, you know, the wind power or solar panels. Look, all airfields and airstrips and aerodromes, they have these massive hangars that you store the, the aircraft in. They should all be covered in, in solar panels, uh, shouldn't they? But even then, if they're doing it with hydrogen, as long as that is made, it's green hydrogen made with renewables, then it seems like a really sensible way to do that investment. And that's your podcast for today. Question of the week. It's taken a wee break for a while, but it will return. Email me about anything else. Hello at evnewsdaily.com. And check out the Patreon page, which is how we fund this podcast. If you get any enjoyment uh, out of this show or I don't know, like you learn something anytime and you think it's worth uh, sponsor, uh, supporting this podcast, you can do it patreon.com slash evnewsdaily. Become a premium partner, mostly for businesses, but individuals do as well. Uh, Phil Roberts of Electric Future at ef.energy. Uh, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati. Audi of Cincinnati East. Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East. National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley from the EV Review Island YouTube channel. Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling UVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Juice kindly support the show. They make charging, uh, public charging simple. Uh, you get one card, one map and one app. Have you got your card yet? No? What are you waiting for? Get on board with Octopus Electric Juice and milbrookcottages.co.uk when you are ready to down tools and take a break at one of their lovely cottages in Devon. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.